I'm going to take a break this morning from Samuel. And we're going to talk about relationships. We are um, we're now 14 months into uh, this global pandemic. And at least for us, it seems that the worst of the virus is behind us. But I believe that we are still feeling the effects of the pandemic, and we will um, in many ways for a long time. And that's not just because of people that we've lost. Um, It's not just because of the damage to the economy. It's because of the damage that this thing has done to our relationships. And that's what I want us to think about this morning. I think that we are, as human beings, suffering from relational atrophy. And it is time for us to flex those muscles again. Okay, God created us for relationships. And it is time for us to re-engage. So that's the focus this morning. We're going to look at a few verses from Genesis chapter 2. <clears throat> this is God's Word. It says this, Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave all, or gave names to all the livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, this is at last bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, and she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Um, That is God's word for today. And it's just a simple message. God created us to be with people. He created us to be with people. Genesis 2 is not just a statement about marriage. It helps us to understand, I think, all human relationships. God says, alone, not good. Helper, good. And helper is a word that is used all over the Bible to describe a companion, not just a spouse. And not just an acquaintance or a co-worker, but someone that you have um, some sense of intimacy with. Not just a social connection, but some depth of relationship. Okay, so more than, more than a, an acquaintance, maybe a spouse, maybe somebody else, Adam was incomplete trying to do his job, trying to be human without a companion. And all of God's creative efforts reached their peak in the creation of Eve. He wasn't finished until he created Eve. Adam alone wasn't good enough. 
God wasn't finished with his creation until he had a community, more than one person. Why? Because for humans to really be made in the image of God, we have to be in relationships because God himself is relational. God didn't make humans because he was lonely. God has always had community. We call it the Trinity, right? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Always been together. And God made us in some way like that. He made us for community. He made us to need other people. And part of that means that the world does not revolve around me as an individual. Okay? I'm not living in a movie about Mike. I'm living in God's movie, and I play one role in his story, the role that he wants me to play. My purpose in life is not just to do what I do or what I want. The other people in my life are not just here for me to use. Not according to God. But that's the way that I often think. And that's probably the way that you often think, right? Is that this is my movie and everybody else is living in it. (laughs) You ever thought about it that way? And because we're so focused on our own needs and our own goals, relationships for us become a means to that end. You're just here for me. You're just here for what I want out of life. And because that's true, I want to suggest that we start to choose artificial connections over real ones. Connections to our phone. Connections to our friends online that we don't really know. Connections to even a character in a television show. Connections to objects that we can control instead of people that we can't. One of Ryan Gosling's uh, first movies is a really strange film. Not necessarily recommending it, but it's a really strange film. It's called Lars and the Real Girl. Okay? And uh, I used to show this to college students and talk about it and get made fun of because it's so weird. Okay? Lars buys a life-sized female doll online. Use your imagination. Okay? Um, he puts her in a wheelchair and dresses her up and he makes up an entire life story about his new girlfriend. Okay, He names her Bianca. She's a missionary. <laughs> Whole story for this girl, right? Now, everyone in this small town where Lars lives knows that there's something psychologically wrong with the man. Okay, they know Bianca is not real, but they begin to accept the doll as a real person because they love Lars. They play along with 
the whole thing. And the funniest part of the movie is the whole time there is an actual real girl in town who has feelings for Lars and he totally misses it. He just ignores it. What's the point of the movie, do you think? The movie is saying that we are choosing artificial connections over real ones because they're easier to control. I can decide the fate and the story of the girl in the wheelchair much easier than I can manipulate and control the real person in my life. But so often that's what we think we want. We just want a relationship fixed to kind of tie us over and then never have to engage with a real messy person. And to some extent, I think we all do this, and I think COVID has made it extremely easy to do. And so my question for us today is, what distractions have we been using to avoid real relationships? What excuses have we made? Why are we choosing easy instead of messy? It's because real relationships are difficult. Right? They're not easy. If you keep reading in Genesis, the fairy tale of chapter 2 ends really quickly. Right? In chapter 3, Adam and Eve do the one thing they were told not to do. And with that failure comes the blame shifting and the shame and the anger and the hurt and the tears that we all know because of people that are supposed to love us that mess up, right? And instead of making life easier for one another, they begin to struggle. Life becomes much harder because they became much harder to live with. And you and I are much harder to live with than we think we are. And then in chapter 4, it gets so bad so quickly that one of, their, one of their children, one of their sons, kills the other son. Now can you imagine losing a child in that way? Not an accident, not a disease like the other kid killed the kid. That's what happens at the very beginning of the Bible. Can you imagine being the first humans to ever witness the power of death? And not just any death, but a violent death. The death of your child by another child. The first one to see a lifeless body and to know that humans are capable of something like that over something as silly as jealousy. It got messy really, really quick. And that's probably when, her, when human beings first started asking the question, is this worth it? Why would I risk the pain of having to deal with other people? Why would I do this? Why not just stay alone and immune to the pain of someone else hurting us 
or the shame and the guilt of us hurting someone else? Wouldn't it just be easier to just stay alone and go move off into Alaska somewhere, into a, into a cabin, and just talk to the birds? Would that be better? And that's why so many of us respond to conflict by running from it. We don't like the way it makes us feel, so we run. We can't control it, so we run. But if you've ever felt alone, you know that's actually not any better. In extreme cases, did you know that people who are put into solitary confinement in prison for long periods of time, they will actually develop serious mental problems? They, they begin to lose the ability to initiate contact with other people. Um, they, they stop being able to control their behavior or to even organize their own lives effectively. The longer you're alone, the worse that gets. In other words, loneliness restricts our ability to function normally. It makes us less human. And if you've ever felt lonely, you know it's an oppressive feeling. It's very difficult. And lonely people are all around us. Okay, 22% of Americans ages 65 or older are single or widowed with no local children and no support system. Now, I want you to imagine how lonely this past year has been for those folks. Not even being able to see people's faces in the grocery store when they have nobody. 23,000 children age out of foster care every year and 6,000 of them are instantly homeless because they have literally no one. According to James chapter 1, true religion is caring for widows and orphans. In other words, caring for people who don't have people. That's because God doesn't want us to be alone. It's not right. It's not good. We have to be with humans in order to be human. And sin makes that difficult. But we still need people. And there's good news because God has a purpose in our relationships, even when those relationships are difficult. In fact, I would say in a world with sin, He's got a purpose in your relationships, especially when they're difficult. Okay, Not in spite of it, but in the midst of it. And this is where Jesus comes in. Okay, So before we get there, I want to read a few verses from Psalm 33, beginning in verse 20. He says, our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For our heart is glad in Him because we trust in His holy name. Let Your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us even as we hope in You. I highlighted the word help because that is the same word in Hebrew as helper from Genesis 2. The word that described Eve. God is using 
for himself. He says, I am your helper. I am the greater Eve, if you will. You see, what Adam and Eve really lost because of sin was not just their relationship to each other. The deeper loss was their relationship with God. Um, what is it that keeps a pair of shoes together? Okay, silly illustration, but bear with me. If I tie my shoes together, that would keep them together, but then I can't walk, right? But I don't need to tie my shoes together, I just need them to be on my feet. And then they will stay together, right? What keeps a pair of shoes together is the owner of the shoes. If they're on my feet, then they are serving their purpose and they will also happen to be together because that's what shoes, that's how they work. Nobody wears one shoe, right? Got to have two shoes to have a pair and for them to function. And that's the thing about relationships, okay? Sometimes if you focus only on the relationship, it might not get any better. As Christians, the most important thing for us to remember is that God created us, He owns us, He knows how we were built to function, He understands our purpose better than we do, and He's the only one that can really put it all back together. He is our helper. And what keeps us together is not the connection between me and you necessarily. It is ultimately God. All the horizontal broken relationships in our lives are damaged because of the vertical broken relationship between us and the Father. And any hope that we have of being reconciled to each other in our marriages, in our friendships parent-child relationships, brother-sister relationships, the only real hope of those things being fixed, it begins with our being reconciled to God. To the One who creates us, to the One who owns us. And the Bible's solution to that is Jesus. He came down to us. He came looking for us like literally like a lost pair of shoes. How many times does he use lost parables in the Gospels? He came looking for us. He moved into our neighborhood. He felt the loneliness that we feel. He suffered the abuse of failed relationships. He felt the emptiness of abandonment. He felt alone. In the final moments of the cross, Jesus cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 2 Corinthians 5 says that Jesus suffered in that way so that we could be reconciled to God. And all I want you to see today is that God is far more concerned and far more committed to our relationships than we are. He is far more concerned with how we treat other people than we tend to be. We treat most of our relationships like they're optional. 
We decide when we want to engage and when we want to check out. But that's not how God treats us. His commitment to us in Christ is real and it's perfect and He doesn't give up on His people. He wants better for us. And the evidence of God's work in our lives is what the Bible calls the fruit of the Spirit, which is what we prayed for this morning, which is basically just the evidence that our relationships are getting healthier over time. The Bible describes them as love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And if you think about that list, none of those things is possible outside of relationships. You can't experience any of them rightly without somebody else in your life. The fruit of the Spirit is dependent on relationships. We cannot live a godly life without other people. It's impossible. You know what's not a fruit of the Spirit? Smart. Pretty. Athletic. Talented. Not fruits of the Spirit. Nothing wrong with any of those things, right? I mean, those are the things that most people tend to care most about. How smart are you? How pretty are you? How good at this are you? How good at sports? How good at making money? That's what people around us care about. That's what we often care most about. And you know what? All of those things you can do alone. You don't need anybody. And what God wants most for you and for me is stuff that you can't do alone. God sees potential for our relationships to become healthy again. It's not going to be perfect until the new heavens and the new earth. But God went to great lengths to get us back and to set things in motion to make things right. And so just a simple message today. You and I were made to engage with other people. COVID has made it far too easy for us to check out of real relationships. I can go buy groceries without ever having to talk to a real person. I can shop with a computer. I can see and hear people on a screen that I will never actually meet face to face. I can listen to sermons and Christian music online and never do it with another person in the room if I don't want to. But in doing all of that without, not that any of that's bad, but without real relationships, what we're doing is we're slowly eroding our humanity in the process. We are engaging with screens more than we are engaging with people, and we wonder why depression and anxiety are at epidemic levels. Please hear me, the enemy is not technology. Jesus said very clearly, it's not what goes in a man that defiles him, it's what comes out, okay? I'm not blaming technology. The prescription is not for you to get rid of your phone or go on a Facebook fast or, you know, get unplugged. You might need that for a little while, 
kind of take the needle out of the arm, right? Um, but that's not the point. Instead, I'm telling you to look at your heart and ask, why are we choosing easy and isolated over real and messy? And then my prayer for us is that we would come face to face with a God who was willing to get right in the middle of our lives, right in the mess and be with us. Because that was the prophesied name for the Messiah, Emmanuel, God with us. That's our hope. And that's what we need. We need God to be with us. We need Him to teach us how to be with other people. This is the most important service that I think that we can provide to people in this community as a church. Offer them real relationships, right? They can get Bible teaching lots of places. What they can't get is a group of people that actually know them and love them and care about them. We're not here for the event. We're here for the people. And we need to relearn how to be human, how to be with people, to laugh with people, to cry with people, to hug people. Okay? Listen, COVID has taught us that being with people is risky. That's what we've all learned the last year. Being with people is risky. But you know what? It's always been risky. It's always been risky. People are going to hurt you. Can't live with them. Can't live without them. But it's still worth it. By this they will know you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, um, I don't know if this is the right message, a timely message. I pray that you would entrust it to our hearts. I, I, I thank you for just convicting me this past week about um, my own struggles. And um, I pray that for all of us as we think about what You have in store for us and what You want to do in our lives and we would trust You with it. I pray that um, we would be willing to take risks again to, to be in people's lives, um, to love one another well. And um, we trust You as the One who has reconciled us to Yourself in Jesus. And we trust You to be the One to help us reconcile to one another. We lay all of it at Your feet, all the mess... We ask for your help in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together and sing.